We are here again with a TME podcast from ExtraHop. We are in still the War Room light, although not to tour the old War Room today, which was near and dear and evoked many a tear. Still there. Uh, like it, they didn't like no. rip it down. No, well, it's there-ish in spirit. Yeah. Um, we're here with Paranormal Crew. spirit, Crew. anyway. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm Colin. Uh, we have Ryan, Nojan, and Chris all here. Gentlemen. So, hello. 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 Uh, and we are here to talk about goodness. Uh, we're doing this series uh, about data and stuff. So this time we're going to actually get into one more form of data, which we'll talk about here in a moment. But first, anything new and exciting, guys? Things that are going on? Things yeah. that are... Um, we just had PAX here in oh, Seattle. Yeah. The PAX Prime, Prime, baby. It's PAX still Prime. It's still going on. Uh, there are still crowds there's of people whole, that, yeah, there's a little crowd right outside there. our office, actually. From the window while we're podcasting, we can watch like, the yep. Pikachu costumes. and the, you know, So awesome. for those who don't know, Penny Arcade Expo is the largest consumer-focused uh, video game exposition. Um, so I think it's just the largest now? bar none now. Bigger than E3? I think it's bigger than oh, E3. Yeah. If you can well, yeah. buy all of them, them right? Yeah. Because there's oh, four okay. different regional ones that happen. Yeah, sure. You got too big for here, obviously. Yeah, you got too big for just Seattle. So there's, there's four? Seattle, Seattle Boston, Boston Austin, and Australia. East South. Oh, Australia, right. Wow. Yeah. East, South, and Australia. Even if you just combine the wow. three North American ones, I think it's already bigger than E3. I believe so. that. Um, it's amazing. Huge. But huge. Have thousands of people overrun essentially our downtown corridor. And it's hosted... Kitty corner to our office. So we yes. Trying to find lunch days. last week was problematic. However, ah. except today, the it was Mad Max Day. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which, as Colin pointed out, was tied in with Uber. So if you go into Uber, you can select a Mad Max vehicle to pick so you up. Sweet. And it's one of Talk the about brilliant awesome things right? I've <laughs> ever seen. Well, what was the message you got when you were, like, it was, there was no avail- not available? Like, cut off by bandits. Uh, yeah. Band- yeah, yeah cut, cut off, off, bandits. Bandits, cut off yeah. my bandits. <laughs> yeah. But we've been seeing all of the cars parked downstairs, and it's amazing. Nah, it's yeah. brilliant. It's awesome. No, that's a good good call. PAX is a huge thing to a lot of folks, and uh, not shocking to, I think, anybody that's met us. Many of us here uh, are giant geeks and enjoy Paxian-type things, gaming and games and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been raving about it to Nojan because we share a similar D&D background over the years, that one of the things I always look forward to out of PAX, not just Prime, but all of the PAX events that happen, they do the Acquisitions Incorporated podcast, and they're uh, now a live recorded video that gets turned into a podcast, but it's so sweet. So all that stuff happens, and it's just kind of a mecca for gaming and geekdom, and it's, it's fantastic. So that's been going on. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we've also been reminded this last week what it was like to live in Seattle again. Right. right. The rain is back. Yay. Yep. And we it's needed been it. stuff over, though. This is a pretty... Big storm by Seattle's yeah. Fans. yeah. But it's gray and dreary, and it feels great. <sighs> Let's breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah, that 65 degrees warming up is nice. Yeah, break yeah. our sweatshirts out again. It's hoodie season. It's hoodie season. We feel normal again, I think, yeah. is what's going on. I don't know, man. I enjoyed I'm not going to lie. Summer I'm was a awesome. trader. I enjoyed the summer. I enjoyed the summer a lot. It's well, you've seen that article about why Seattleites love the return of the gray season, right? It's basically that because... so. Because we've had so few days of summer in prior years, when it's sunny out, you feel like you have to do all Everything. the things. Oh, yeah. Now we can just be and so, again. And now we can just, like, relax a little bit. It's okay to spend a day inside. Fair. Whereas before, it's like, 
oh, it's sunny out on the weekend. I have to be hiking, and then no, I have to go to the beach. I, I know <laughs> fair. Saturday was blustery and windy and horrible sideways rain, and we did nothing. We hung out and read books, and it was, mm. it was fantastic. Yeah. Went to some really good sushi. You know, it's great. All the great things you do when it's great outside. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay, so no trips, no trip reports, no nothing just yet. No. Um, there is a user group coming up soon. We're doing an Atlanta user group. Uh, mm. I will get more information probably on the next podcast when there's official time, place, et cetera, et cetera. But it's going to be uh, end of September. Uh, it's going to be in Atlanta. It's going to be awesome. So if you're out there and thinking about those kinds of things or know folks that are, pass it on. We're also kicking up uh, the autumn conference season. So I know VMworld is going on right now. Yeah, right. Conf will be soon. And then AWS reInvent. Um, Beginning so, of October. Yep. Yeah. Early so, this year. Yeah. So you can probably catch us at all of those as well. So stop by the booth. Sweet. So that's all from the news desk. Uh, into more current pressing matters. We've been doing this series about sources of data, uh, four of them, namely. So far we've covered the synthetic data and we've covered agent data. Today we're going to cover a third form of data, which is machine data. So in what is now a traditional fashion, we're going to randomly point somebody around the room and have them give us a brief overview of what they believe is that type of data. Okay, so Colin's pointing at me, so I will talk about machine data. Uh, when I think of machine data, I think of my many, many years background in sysadmin work, and that means logs. That's yeah. what machine mm -hmm. data is. But in, in in reality, it's anything that your machine, a machine given like, and by machine I mean typically like a server or something like yeah. that. It, where it collects its own information and stores that somewhere for you to then go back and later figure out what's going on. So that can mean everything from debug logs from programs to service logs from your Apache web server. It can mean reading D message, you know, on your Unix host to see like whether there's hardware issues, you know, any, anything where basically the machine or a piece of software or something records its own state. And, uh, and historically that's been the kind of source of most all data, like when something goes wrong, you know, where do you go? You go and look. You log into the machine and you look at hosts, or well, you, you look at uh, logs. You know. I think most of us. I know. I think all of us have had some form of tech support background. Of you know, the phrase "Have you checked the, the logs?" Log. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> what do the logs say? Have you checked the log? It's like just so yeah. emblazoned into the frontal core of our brain. Yeah. Right? It's this thing that we do. It's habitual. It's I think second nature that you yeah. know, jump on a terminal and your fingers go you know tail f you know the whole bit right. Yeah. yeah. Nojan was just spouting off his giant tail F pipe. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's sort of like a, a closely guarded secret in a sysadmin. I mean, you do that so so often, and then hopefully not so closely guarded. Well, yeah. But Everyone you know, has the, their, their, the recipe. their piped commands that they went to for years and years and years. Well, yeah, I mean, what we do, and uh, especially at quarter end, the revenues were coming, and we take over a room. It was the war room, nice. <laughs> and we'd actually set up a projector or two, and we'd, you know, the biggest thing for me always was how many terminal sessions could a projector host? Sure. And I think a lot of us, where you see that, like, my God, damn, this can hold 30 terminal <laughs> sessions. It's because I needed about two windows for every server in production that we were monitoring. So one could be running top and then the other one could be running my special tail recipe right. for the logs tail of the servers. <laughs> I'm so naming a podcast tail recipe yeah. one of these days. Tail it's fantastic. One, and then of course Ock said 
yeah. uh, WC, yeah. uh, many other flavors. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How many total web transactions did we have this month? About? Yeah. Word, word count was going to get called, you know, at right. some point. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, which, many, which users? Well, I'm probably going to have to awk and pipe with the said. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, and then who of us didn't uh, have at least some time have a, a, a webalizer instance or an oh, analog mm -hmm. or something yeah. like that where you're just like, oh, man. I need some RRD graphs. That's what I need right so now. I, so <laughs> I started my foray into this stuff uh, when I was, gosh, 16, 17 working in Unix shared hosting tech support, and they were, you know, me the merchant accounts and that whole thing that were shared oh BSDI God. hosts that would install this. Yeah, it's, no, Jan, it's cringing. It's audio. BSDI was it's, awesome. It's, it's, no, it's audio format. Miva, Miva script. Oh, my gosh, Miva was just painful. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you then take they, they all want to know how things went, so it's installing RRD and going through the charting and all of that. I mean, yeah, absolutely, right? So it's... Well, hold on, yeah, before yeah. we get there, let me just say... This is a lot of the sysadmin side of it and a lot yeah. of the IT ops side yeah. on the server itself, but you also have your application log. So this yeah. is oh, a yeah. developer tool as well right. where you're building out all sorts of, I mean, the number of libraries related to logging is pretty much incountable. Um, yeah. Where you're logging business level transactions, any sort of application failures, what was the current state during that application failure? Well, there's different modes, right? It's yep. like there's your, you got your everyday logs, you know, where things are okay. And then things start going wrong, you like ratchet it up, it's like uh, the DEF CON, you know, where I you, picture where as as <laughs> no chances, everyday logs, yeah. I picture like, and then there's your fancy Sunday best logs. <laughs> 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 it's a, it's a top hat log. It's a black tie affair log. Yeah. And, you know. Well, it's, what do you log though, right? I mean, if you log yeah. everything, you're there's not enough disk space even today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and then also, Infinite. who wrote those logs? Like, well, if it's a developer writing the logs, yeah. oh, it's some status code that I have to go pull out some binder somewhere, or redo well, the binder. That, that, or my favorite log message of all time. This shouldn't happen. It was always not surprising, but just expected to get that. The, those type of uh, log commands are, are are just scattered all over, like the kernel source and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah. Here's this exception, like seven tiers down, and the only thing you get is kernel panic. This shouldn't happen. Like, yeah. it's all things, you know. I don't. Know. Well, the other now we're getting kind of the dark side of it, but it was always like, I know this thing is logging, and then trying to figure out where where they put yeah. the log, and they're always supposed to put the log in a certain log directory, and then you find out, nope, they're just dumping it into yeah. like the app directory. Well, this kind of brings up a, a key problem with logs in general and machine data in more, or even in more general, is that um, whether it's system services, host logs, developer logs, whatever, you're, de you're dependent on having that stuff written into the logic. And I mean, and literally, unless you're wrapping every single command and right. call in a try catch, you know, wrapper yeah. or something like that, and then logging when it fails, which is which is unreasonable, not possible, right? Just um, not. Yeah, it's a, you. You will never catch all the edge cases, and that's yeah. That's one of the big problems with machine data, in my opinion, um, is that you catch most of it, but there's always the things like, what if like some basic, um, you know, comparison operator just throws an exception for some reason because of uh, a data type mismatch or something, something you didn't expect to happen. Like mm -hmm. you assume that when you bring this in that you're comparing a string versus a string, but what happens if it's not something return yeah. an API returns an integer instead, you know, you try to compare that to a string and then the fundamental language that you wrote your application in throws an exception saying you can't do that. You know? Right. No, I, I think your comment is really, really valid and I agree that that's one of the big shortcomings. And I know that so two things. One 
we love to kind of rank these things because we're all that way. And two, we all agree there's absolutely value in every different type of mm -hmm. data. All of the four sources exist and exist for a reason and have value. And I think we can all agree that machine data, logs and otherwise, has definite value. But I agree, one of my big issues with it is that you are, and the catchphrase that gets used around here that I totally agree with, you are trusting the patient to diagnose themselves, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. If there is an issue on a system, I don't necessarily want the only source of that data to be the system that is having the issue. Right. Whether it is right. because the application might not know what to log or because perhaps the issue that has arisen causes it to be unable to store things or maybe exactly. it's a disk error that's occurring right. or maybe yeah. oh that was one of them always right? like when your disk fills up and then you, yeah. everything you can't, you can't or the really I mean I feel like it still makes me like get goosebumps you know you have a big problem you go and you go into the log directory and the log is zero yeah and you go oh what happened yeah. and you just <laughs> like someone, someone is, yeah something, something like terrible that. happened well that incident's come and gone yep you have no Good record of it. Yeah, you just have to wait for the next time that yeah. it's going to happen. But that's one of the really, really nice things about you know, log aggregation systems is that it gave us a way to get away from the tail scripts and the crazy recipes. Yeah. And also yeah. kind of democratized the use of logs. Not to just people that had root level access, but anyone could log into... Right. Anyone that was given access, right, could yeah, access. Going on. Yeah, and, well, and say... Let me run a report instead of, let me string together a and it, set of... it helped, kind of. I mean, it's not a solution, but it's, it's a step in the right direction. The aggregation concept helped get away from one of the other major shortcomings, which is siloing data. Like, okay, I have how many machines that are right. all logging their own activity and their own events, and I think there might be an error occurring on more than one of them, but, you know, it's going to be N where N is greater than one and less than all of my systems, but I don't have any, like, go find it. Good luck. Right. Here's mm -hmm. a bag of needles. Go find the needle you want to find. Don't poke yourself. Right. Right. Like, it's horrendous. It is. And a lot of us have worked in some relatively large environments. I remember going through uh, the data center forever ago at a web hosting company. We had... 14, 15,000 physical machines Whoa. somewhere in there. And each one of them was a shared system. Like we had uh, jails on them for individual hosting accounts. So 15-ish thousand physical machines, each with 50 to 100 accounts on the device. Like, okay, so if you're concerned that the version of Apache you just rolled out causes failures in some certain case, go crawl the logs. Like, what? Yes, you heard me. So, how do you even begin to surmount that? For I and machine logs. Oh my god. Performance impact on my digestive system. It was awful. Did you have log aggregation when you were doing No, no, we didn't. Aggregation was a solution, a partial solution to a lot of that kind of stuff, right? Where, okay, you are now able to look at multiple systems and see trending, because trending, as we all know, is massively important, right? When did things start to happen? When did it fail? When did it whatever? What does normal look like? Right, what does normal look like? And when did normal change? And can I associate that with some action that was taken, either positive, negative, or otherwise, right? So that's interesting. But we've talked a ton about logs, and I know that machine data isn't just right. logs. Yeah. We kind of got into this a little bit as we're setting up the mic and whatnot. But so what other than like we have the Apache log, we have you know log messages, we have all the very, very, very basic, like Chris was saying, sysadmin focused type logs. What other machine data sources are there that you can think of? Like what other players are there? What how do we do this stuff currently? 
Well, the, the first ones that come to mind, and we've talked about this before, is agents, but not like agents like we talked about last time. We're talking about like things like Nagios or system monitoring tools that get pro probed from time to time to say, what's the health of everything? Right. And that extends to then like SNMP as well. You know, like how many places have just just tons of traffic of Nagios on their network where they're sending out traps and they're doing, you know, they're periodically checking this, that, or the other, like, what's the CPU load and how are my disks doing and all this other stuff. Those are all considered machine data because they're all, the data is still being generated by the individual machines. Right. Whether, so, they're, whether they're being collected centrally or not doesn't make them not machine data. Okay, so that's the, that's the thing that is important. Let's briefly describe that, right? Because we just talked about agents. This is machine data, not agent data, and we're differentiating those as different data sources, data right. types, right? Right, right? So why is a thing that's technically collected by an agent not agent data? Well, we talked about last time about agents being in the in the basically the code path, right? Right, and so we're talking about things that are watching how the the runtime is working and. I could let Chris talk about this a bit more since he covered that topic last time. Uh, so I think the distinction is uh, when you're using agent monitoring in terms of the agent data, um, it's inserting itself right. into the system, mm -hmm. right? right? So any sort of API any where you're actually querying a system for information that it's generating about itself, right. um, it, be it in your server, be it uh, in something like AWS, those are all still machine data. If you're using agent data, it's actually inserting code into the call stack to actually do timing and performance right. monitoring and all of that. Yeah, I think one of the big differences that you're describing, and a different way to say it, the way it jumps to mind for me is, uh, one is the agent is doing the actual inspection of the you know quality of things and how things are behaving and the, the actual mapping of the behaviors. Uh, that's agent data, whereas in machine data, yeah, it might be collected by an agent, technically speaking, yeah. but the machine was still the thing reporting on itself. Right. And, and, you're, and you're more doing the collection. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You exactly. then use something else later to do analysis on that. Right. Um, but you're just collecting, whereas an agent that has inserted itself can make a decision on whether what just happened is good or bad, mm -hmm. right. typically. Yeah. Cool. So, so pros and cons. We all have war stories. I think it's very obvious that we can riff on this for about an hour over a beer, which we might do someday. But pros and cons. I mean, there's good, bad, otherwise. Who's got things they like or don't like about machine data? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of a necessary evil. You're always going to have your logs. You're never going to turn them off. You have to collect them. Um, it's clear that they have to be aggregatable and searchable and you're dependent on whatever that system decided to lock whether it was a developer or if it was an app server or whoever and then you don't know until you know what you needed yeah there's a problem you go well we're not logging that let's log it now mm -hmm. and that's one of the fundamental things for me is if it's on the wire you know it's there you know like and you've got it um in the machine side it's not always. Well, there's like a lot of things that, that have nothing to do with the network stack whatsoever, mm -hmm. and so would never generate any sort of activity. Sure. And it's mm -hmm. just it's all there. So right. the only way to find out is to either ship it across the network yeah. via centralized logging of some sort, or to periodically go in and look and check. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. that's that's the the beauty, right? When you're developing, logs are it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. You know you what do you what, what do you do? You you stick in a print statement and you yeah. a post statement and you mm -hmm. say that you dump your output. 
um, yeah, maybe once in a while you might ship it across a wire if you're running a network app or whatever. You always start with, okay, am I going to have the payload that I want? And then you take it. Yeah, local standard out kind of lock. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I think you bring up a good point. And the way I think of it is machine data is the lowest barrier of entry. Mm -hmm. I would totally agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I think pros versus cons, right? So pro, I think a pro is barrier to entry. Like it's the thing that we generally go to first, easiest yeah. on, on a simple project. Yeah. Code is now yeah. you have machine data. Right. Exactly. If I'm going to write a script, if I'm going to, if I'm, well, I was just laughing that I was installing, uh, I signed up for a new VPS server somewhere and was installing some little Perl module and the whole bit. I didn't go to the log. It didn't install. What happened? Go to the logs, find the error message. Like it's just really, really easy, low hanging fruit type yeah. of stuff. We conceptually understand it. It's easy to get. Everyone yeah. understands logs. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a really good point. I mean, you're not going to go to wire data to get that information. You're not, not going to agent data to not get possible. that information. It's only available on the machine, right? Yeah. So there's absolutely some uses for it. And I think things that are machine behavior, right? Categorizing like application behavior is generally something that is distributed. It, talks to multiple systems. It's a thing that we can very often diagnose via the wire or sometimes via agents, that kind of stuff. Machine behavior like, gee, I tried to run make and it failed. Like, well, guess what? That's only gonna be found in one place, right? So it's it's hugely valuable. Yeah. Most of the time. And yeah. Unless it had a dependency on the network and made a call. Well, um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, how often yeah. does make reach across the network? I mean, yeah, I think it's possible. It's, make, make it's a make file. You can do, do anything. anything you want. All right. Uh, for a Perl module, generally speaking, CPAN could be down. Yeah, but that's, that's not what happened here. Uh, <laughs> I think another, and this goes back to actually something you guys were talking about earlier, and this is both a pro and a con. Um, you're dependent upon the people who developed the application or the system yeah. or whatever yeah. to choose what they wanted to lo log and at what levels. Yeah. Um, so on the positive side, they know their application probably the best, hopefully. Um, so they can hopefully identify things that are important. On the flip side, they haven't seen all edge cases. And so they're going, they are going to miss something. Guaranteed. Yeah, so especially I, considering I, during testing, you're probably testing on a small subset of what, like, well, this is there's no typical way of this, of this yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you put your program in the hand of someone else, they're going to do it differently than you did. But, so so that, that, I agree. To expand on that a little bit more, I totally agree that it's unrealistic to expect anybody, developer or otherwise, to be able to know ahead of time what things might need to get logged. We use the medical analogy a lot around here, the whole patient thing. I did it earlier today already, but it's the whole, there is no way you can ask the doctor to tell the patient, okay, be prepared to watch for these symptoms because I know that you might encounter these things with perfect accuracy. Okay. Like they can look at things and generally know a pretty good idea that, you know, generally speaking, here's what you'll look out for in your life because you're a whatever, you know, you're a construction worker, that means you might smash your foot with a hammer or whatever the thing. I don't know. <laughs> Pick a thing, right? Um, but you, there's no way they have perfect knowledge of what could happen. So if you expect that person to be able to report perfectly at all times, it's absurd. So you have to then go in, like you were saying, after the fact, once you've actually run into the issue, go back in and tweak things and keep adding it and keep modifying it. And it's a it's a pain. It's a thing. It's a it's a overhead and a problem because you lose time, you lose events that occur, and you have no way of making that up, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Pros cons pretty obvious. I mean, there, there's lots of good things about this, but some of the cons. I mean, it's time intensive, resource intensive. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff involved. There's lots of things that you can miss. All that stuff, right? But still. Well, 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but there are technologies out there that are trying to make it easier. Yeah, yeah. so um, who, who's that? Who's that list? Who's playing here? I mean, so actually a lot of extra hot partners fall into this list. It's actually uh, the the machine data and wire data have really worked well together in the past. So you're looking at uh, Sumo Logic. I mean, Splunk has been a huge partner for us in the past. Uh, Elastic, which is Elasticsearch, Gabbana, all the Elk stack stuff. Um, that's definitely a rising star in this space. Uh, and then on the flip side too, actually a lot of security vendors play in this space mm -hmm. as well. Um, so looking at like our partnership with the threat analytics platform, uh, which is FireEye, uh, doing lookups against known bad actors. That's all this machine data. Firewall machine data. Yep. yep. Put together with wire data. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a really logical partnership because they do different things that are very complementary, right? Mm -hmm. it, the wire data stuff is hugely powerful for lots of reasons that we'll get into during the wire data sessions, but we're all fans, obviously. Uh, but it can't see the things, like you're saying. There is no way if a language call fails somewhere, unless it happened to send an error out across the wire, yeah. there is no way for wire data to know that that occurred. There's lots of things like that where you need insight into what's happening on the actual device, whether it's a firewall or a well, it's a, a I think that it's a natural extension. The flip side is true. You can't Absolutely. log or you don't have machine data on stuff that you don't know. Yeah, and that's where like the marriage with FireEye is so interesting. Yes, yeah. the uh, or the partnership with them. It's they have information from one aspect. We have information about a whole another aspect. You put those things together. Very complementary. Very yeah. yeah. You get the full picture that way, right? That uh, makes total yeah. sense. <clears throat> okay, so let's wrap this thing up. Uh, overall, it sounds like the consensus is there's value. It's useful, low barrier to entry, great starting point for you know if you're gonna write a script, you're obviously gonna log things and debug it that way for you know package installation, all that kind of stuff. But also beyond that, it does tell you a lot about how the systems are behaving, firewalls, whatever the different system might be you can get viable information there. Yeah, is that fair? Yep. Yeah. However, <laughs> there's definite limitations. There's overhead, there's resource limitations, there's uh, visibility limitations. It can't see what it doesn't know, and you have to specifically configure it to be able to see anything, really. Uh, most of this stuff doesn't work at all until you say, here's what you should look for, and here's how you output messages once you see it. So there's this inherent limiting factor where you have to know what to look for, tell it how to communicate that, and go from there. Is that also fair? So there's a fair amount of time investment and resource investment as far as personnel to configure, monitor, tear through, all of that kind of stuff, the, the machine data. Is that yeah. reasonable? Yeah. Reasonable. All right. So overall, how would you guys rank this stuff? If, for fun, we've been ranking these Is it ranking time? Like, say, yeah. What was our previous rank between the two we talked about? So previously, I just re-listened to the podcast. We, we previously ranked the agent data stuff a little bit above the synthetic data stuff as far as mm -hmm. just if you had to pick overall usefulness. And the, the kind of setup here is the, okay, you have an app stack to administer. You get to pick a, a type of data rank them, right? Like you can probably have all of them, but the idea is good to start with budget and go from the top down. Here's how I spend my money and my time. Where does this fall, right? Well, based purely on that, I would say machine data is at the top of the ones we talked about because it's it's already there for so many things. Really? Sure. I would, I, I, for me, for my money, agent data is still on top because of a number of reasons, but like I, can, I love central management. I love the fact that with agents, I can actually... Um, instrument the stack. Sure. 
whereas logs are always going to be dependent on some kind of configuration that you have to do. Uh, yeah. I'd say I'm still, I put wire data, or not, not wire data, <laughs> uh, machine data not at yet, the top. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, I put machine data at the top just because ubiquity and mm -hmm. the low barrier to entry. I mean, everyone uses it for a reason. Um, so I'm gonna cheat a little bit as an answer because I think there's a case for both. I'm going to put a caveat in here. I think machine data is hugely valuable and if someone said, okay, you get you know, no money to spend, one type of data to go look at, what do you do? I mean, the first thing you do is look, I mean, everyone's going to open the log file first. Yeah. So to me, if you're looking at just a out of the box, non-spend, like what do you get quote unquote for free? Machine data is huge and always valuable, but because you get a fair amount, quote unquote, for free, I think if I'm looking at how I want to prioritize intentionally investing time and resources into data mm -hmm. sources, it is close to the bottom because it is useful and functional to a degree for free, basically, and if I'm going to invest in things, I think I still rank agent data at the top because it's the most useful beyond what you get just kind of out of the box this for free. sounds like the first time we've been split. Yeah, it yeah. is. So, so now we're saying it's like synthetic and then a tie between machine and agent. It seems that way, yeah. 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 It's synthetic. What, well, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is to me... Down at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, right. I think to me, machine data is huge, but it's the whole... I don't know how to verbalize this, which is off for a podcast, but uh, you get a decent chunk of value right out of the gates for almost no effort and almost right. no investment. But... I would take that and run. <laughs> like, I would take that amount of value out of well, it. Well, I think it was sweet. And then you're that saying, in conjunction with my spend for agent data. Right? What you're saying is you, you can, it may be a little more painful, but you could write a script to go and gather all the stuff that you need from your log, and exactly. you still have it. Yep. And for no money, right? time, but time, not money. Yes. Yep. However, you can't get agent data without yep. going and getting a spend, right? right? So it, if I had a bucket of dollars... Um, you know, and we haven't talked about wire data yet, but if we had a bucket of dollars with the three sources that we have today, right? I, I throw some I'll say of if we're way, talking agent. about return on investment, yep. you're saying agent. I'm saying agent. If I'm saying I have to go to my boss and make it, write up a plan that describes how I'm going to detail this information and mm -hmm. monitor things, that uh, given the three sources we have, it's important again, yeah. as I mentioned wire data, given the three sources we have, I rank agent at the top because I know in the back of my head that what I likely want to get out of the uh, machine data, I will be able to get when I want it without having to think about it and invest there. That's where I'm at. All right. Well, it sounds like the next podcast is going to be pretty interesting. So actually, the next podcast is going to be a different thing. We're doing, are we talking about it? Oh, yeah. Are yeah, we, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, there's an ICD thing. Terry's CD9 doing, tell me, help me. Terry is doing uh, a deep dive. I don't know how deep we'll get, but... Uh, ICD nine to ten conversion um, stuff. Yep. So there's a mandate in the healthcare space um, with HL seven moving from version nine to version ten. The uh, deadline I think is next coming up next October. October. Yeah, it's in October. October. Um, and they're predicting a very large slip with a lot of different right. healthcare providers, which is huge. Which is huge. And um, there's uh, some interesting things that ExtraHub can do to help you. Well, fight against that, see what happens when it ha when the date goes live, all that kind of stuff. There's visibility that we can give there, which is yep. big. So um, Terry's going to talk a little bit more about just what HL7 is um, and how we can help in that 
transition for all of our customers. Yep. So. And then the next podcast past that will be Wired Data. Cool. And we'll get to round up the fourth source of data. We'll get to talk about all of our takes on it and that kind of stuff. We'll go from there. Yeah. So, guys, thanks so much. And thanks to everybody listening. We'll uh, be back soon with some more goodness from the War Room. Everyone be quiet and Chris say, um. Um. Sweet, we got it. <laughs> this podcast too goddamn long. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> no.